Father, we adore you. God, thank you for what you're doing in people's lives right now. I can just sense your spirit moving, and he is here, and he is real, and he is present in this place. God, thank you for your Holy Spirit and the way he changes us. God, and we are changed most through our worship. And God, I just praise your name right now for what you're doing in people. I can, I can see it. Lord, I can see it in the hands that are raised. I can see it in the, the tears that are on people's faces. God, I can, just, I can sense your presence here. So, Lord, I pray that as we open your word, God, that we, we not back away from that. God, we press into your presence. God, we, we focus solely on you and what you have to say to us. God, it's not going to be complicated this morning. It's going to be so simple because you are simple, God. Our understanding of you, God, is limited. But our understanding of your love is comprehensive. And, God, I just praise your name that I can wrap my mind around you and the fact that you love me the way that you do. So, Lord, I just pray right now, God, just let us focus. Let us tune our ears and our hearts into you. Speak to us now as we open your word. And, God, may we be forever changed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Simple church. <laughs> so I thought I'd just take a few minutes to, since it's kind of the one-year anniversary, I thought I'd take a few minutes to kind of tell you a few things about how I got started. Um, obviously, I can't tell you everything. It was about, I guess, about a year and a half before we actually had our first meeting here and started worshiping Jesus together in this place. And uh, God had placed upon my heart a, a, I knew that God was calling me to start a church one day. I didn't have any idea that it was going to be a particular day. But you know what I'm saying? Like, you know something's going to happen one day, and you're like, I, I can see that happening one day. But then when the day kind of happens, and you're like, oh, it's got to be this day. I didn't know that today was the day. And there was this one particular time we were at a men's conference, and God said, well, you're going to start a church. And I said, well, I don't think so. You know what I mean? Like, I, don't, don't act all pious. Like, yeah, I never felt like that before in my life. God tells me to do something. I do it every time. Yeah, right. I know better than that. So anyway, I was like, God, are you sure? <laughs> are you absolutely sure? And I, I, I've understood through years of ministry, uh, and I don't have a ton of experience in ministry, but I have understood through ministry that one thing that is true oftentimes, when God gives you a vision for something that you're to do, you're to let that vision mature. You're supposed to let it work itself out, see some details, say, all right, God, I hear you. I hear what you're calling me to do. Okay, so I'm going to be patient, and I'm going to try to understand what you're calling me to do. Now, some people, they don't do it that way. They're like, okay, this is what I think I'm supposed to do, so let me go blaze a trail. I'm ready to go. I'm ready. I'm in. Let's, let's do it. You know. And sometimes there are certain situations where God calls you to do that. But let me encourage you that if God has called you to do something, it won't be able to just slip out of your mind. You won't be able to just say, ah, oh, never mind. You know what I mean? If God has truly called you to do something, the Holy Spirit of God, as you continue to seek him, it won't leave. It won't go away. It won't disappear. It won't fade into the background. You'll be forced, and some people call it this big churchy word called conviction. You will be convicted to do whatever it is that God has called you to do as you continue to seek the Holy Spirit. Now, if you choose to not seek God, then yeah, absolutely some of that stuff can fade into the background. But if it's truly a calling of God on your life and God has called you to do something and you seek the Holy Spirit, it will continue to build and build and build. And trust me, this is what, is, what happened to me. There was a friend of mine, he said, all right, so... It's somebody I could trust. You need to find somebody in your life that you can trust and you can talk to. I said, look, man, 
God has called me to start a church. I don't even get that. I don't even know what that really looks like. I don't really know anybody that has done that. I said, but God is calling me to do this thing. And, and he said, well, let's go pray about it. So we did. We prayed about it. Almost like a year and a half later, as God has been kind of developing and shaping this thing in my mind, you know, he's been kind of showing me the steps I need to take to get closer to this calling in my life. And I say, okay, God, I'm ready to step out there. And I kind of start talking to people about it. I say, God's called me to start a church. Um, and they're like, well, what's it called? I don't know. Uh, but it's a church, and it's going to be a bunch of people that worship Jesus. That's about all I got right now. And there was, <laughs> I've got a buddy at work that I, I pray with some, too. He's another friend of mine. that, that I, He was actually here on the first day we, we had Simple Church, and it was really cool to have him here because I told him, I said, I said, I don't really know what I'm doing here. I, God had shown me that, that what we needed to call this place was Simple Church. That's about all I had. So I went and I got a, a domain name because that's the first thing you got to do. If you get a name, you got to go get a, a website, right? So I bought simplyaboutjesus.com, and that's our website. If you've never been there, you should go check it out. Uh, but anyway, so I told my buddy at work, I said, I said, well, I got a name now, but all I've got is a name and a website. I said, what am I going to do with that? And he said, you know, there's a lot of people that have done something with a name and a website before. I don't know if you've uh, you looked around, but with a name and a, and, and a website, you can do a whole lot. And I said, okay, but, but this is supposed to be a church, and we're supposed to meet someplace, and I don't have a place to meet. And, and I'm talking to people, and they're like, you know, God has called me to go alongside you and be part of this thing. And, 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 and <laughs> they were like, as, as time went on, there were people that were so committed to it, they were leave, leaving like full-time jobs in order to come and be a part of Simple Church starting up. Let me, let me tell you, everybody's like, oh, man, you're a man of God. You don't ever sweat, right? You're like, you got this all worked out. You rely on God completely. You got this total faith in God. You don't ever worry about anything. No, that's not true. So like 3 o'clock in the morning, multiple times, I would wake up and I would go, what if this doesn't work out? There are people that are leaving full-time jobs. There are people that are leaving their church. There are people that are, that are leaving friendships and relationships to come be a part of this thing. I said, we don't even have a building yet. You know what I mean? Like, we don't even have where we're going to meet. We don't have chairs. We don't, we, there's, there's no chairs. And if people are, like, so committed, they're like, we're in, whatever this means. And I'm like, and I, I'm like all right, God, it's your deal. You know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm trying to be obedient. I hope I hadn't messed up. I hope that I'm following you. Everybody's like, well, you've got complete confidence. No, man. Sometimes you go, all right, God, I'm trusting you, but I'm scared to death. Like, you just be honest with you. I'm scared to death. And lo and behold, there came a time when we were talking. I was talking with a good buddy of mine. He said, you know, I got a friend. He's, uh, he's wanting to open up an event center in Oxford. And I was like, a what? He's like, yeah, he wants to have small concerts and events in a building, and he, he, he's really interested in, in partnering with the church, potentially, so that they can rent space on Sundays and Wednesdays. And I was like, well, that sounds good. I like that. I like the idea of not having to own a building and go into a big debt and, you know, uh, have, to, have to sell everything that I own in my house so I can go live in a church building somewhere. Uh, I like the idea of us being able to simplify our finances and if it's going to be called Simple Church, maybe our finances need to be simple too. And, and that would be really cool if we could just rent space. And uh, sure enough, I go and I talk to him and he's like, yeah. I, I said, here's what God's put on my heart. I think we need to start in the middle of November. And he's like, yeah, I think we can do that. Now, understand, uh, this, this building that you're sitting in didn't look like this 
uh, initially, right? So you saw some of the things that we had to do to get the kids department in particular up and ready and the painting that we did and the, we must have vacuumed 4,000 pounds of junk off the floor. I mean, like there was just junk everywhere. And some of you that were here in the early days, you know what I'm talking about. Like we burned up four vacuum cleaners. I told everybody that when, when I, I, if I ever finally wrote a book about what it's like to, to start a church, I was going to call, I was going to call the, the name of the book, I was going to title the book, Start a Church and Bring a Shop Back. That was going to be the name of the book that I wrote because <laughs> I had no idea that when God called you to start a church, there would be like a million things that didn't have anything to do with preaching that you had to know how to do in order to be able to start a church. I was completely taken back by the fact that you had to know a whole bunch of stuff about bylaws and you had to know a whole bunch of stuff about finances and what it meant to have a nonprofit organization. I mean, I learned this stuff as I went, but it's not like I went into it with all this information. And I didn't go into it with somebody by my side saying, oh, here's what you need to do. You need to do this, 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 and this, and then you got a church. It was not like that, all right? It was like God put this on my heart, and I said yes, and I had no clue what I was saying yes to. It turns out, it turns out that God has done a great thing. And we have seen families come and get baptized in our holy hot tub. Everybody knows that our little inflatable hot tub thing that we got, we baptize people. We call it our holy hot tub. There have been families that have been turned upside down, lives that have been changed. I mean, like people that, that didn't want anything to do with Jesus. They didn't like church. They didn't like the way you had to dress when you go to church. They didn't like any of that stuff, man. They love Jesus now. And I'm like, praise God. If just one of those people, just one of those people come to know the goodness of God and the glory of God and the grace of God, then, then praise be to God that he deserves all the glory for it. And it was absolutely worth every single thing that we vacuumed up off this floor in order that somebody could come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And he did it. He did it. We cannot take credit whatsoever. God did every single thing in this place. And, and the fact that we've got a place to meet and a place to worship and a place to, to hear God's word, it is all God's doing. And he deserves all the credit and all the glory. So I wanted to take you just for a few minutes, and I wanted to read from the book of Ezra. It, it, it's about some, the Israelites getting ready to, to rebuild the temple because basically they've been taken into captivity by the Babylonians. And when they got taken into captivity by the Babylonians... They, they destroyed the temple. They stole all the stuff out of the temple. They took all the gold and the silver and all the, the, the stuff, all the pots and all that kind of stuff that they had in the temple. They took it all. And now these guys are getting to go back. All the Israelites were able to go back and rebuild the temple. And that's what we're talking about today. We talked about not long ago about Nehemiah going back and rebuilding the walls. Today we're going to talk about the, the other part of that was them going back to rebuild the temple. And I'm not sure if we're going to stay in, in Ezra for a little while, if we're going to move on from there. But I, I just felt uh, in my heart as we look at this place that God has put together, we have to look at what the, the Israelites did as they were able to go into a place that God had put together and how they responded to it and what they did in response to what God was doing, how they reacted to it. Now, I want you, let me go back and I, I'm just going to fill you in a little bit. We don't have this up on the screen, but I want you to understand that what happened was uh, the, the Babylonians came in and took the Israelites captive and they took them off and they were in captivity and slavery and all that kind of stuff and, 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 and then one day the, there was a leadership change man I could tell you like you'd be like so bored to death if I told you all the background behind it but anyway so there's this leadership change and then all of a sudden uh, King Cyrus is in place and he's the Persian king because the Persians are taking over the Babylonians and like everybody's like well I, if you want to learn about it go 
watch the movie 300 or something. I mean, like, you can learn about all this stuff. It's actually history. This is not just stuff that's recorded only in the Bible. But anyway, in Ezra chapter 1, it says, The first year of King Cyrus of Persia, the Lord fulfilled the prophecy he had given through Jeremiah. He stirred the heart of Cyrus to put out this proclamation in writing and send it throughout the kingdom. This is what King Cyrus of Persia says. The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth. He has appointed me to build a temple at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Any of you who are his people may go to Jerusalem and Judah to rebuild this temple of the Lord, the God of Israel who lives in Jerusalem. And you may, uh, and may your God be with you. Whenever this Jewish remnant is found, let there be neighbors contribute toward their expenses, giving silver and gold and supplies for their journey and livestock, as well as a, a voluntary offering for the temple of God in Jerusalem. So here's what's happened. The king says, I'm making this decree. The folks can go back and, and build the temple again. So we took all the stuff, we took it with us, and we took them into captivity. Now they're able to go back and rebuild the temple that was destroyed. He says that, that God has given him everything. So King Cyrus is actually siding with the, the, the Jews a little bit here going saying, you know what, God has given me everything, so I, I'm sending you back to rebuild your temple. And there's a whole laundry list of the stuff that they got to take back and who went with them and all that stuff. And if you want to read Ezra chapters 1 and 2 to figure out what they took back and how many jars of silver and gold and all this kind of stuff went back to the temple you can read that in Ezra chapter 1 and 2 if you want to know which tribes of Israel went back and how they went back and how many of them there were and all that kind of stuff you can read that in chapter 2 in chapter 3 though we get ready they're getting ready to rebuild and the first thing they build is the altar in early autumn when the Israelites had settled in their towns all the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose a unified purpose. Let me, oh, wait, wait, wait. Let me read that again. All the people assembled in Jerusalem with a unified purpose. If we are going to be anything as a church, I pray and I hope that we are unified. I hope that we have the same heart and the same mind to go and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to everybody. And I'm talking about everybody. Not the people who dress a certain way, not the people who have a certain kind of car or live in a certain part of town. I'm talking about everybody. Am I right? Everybody, everybody got the, everybody, everybody. You, you wonder who we're supposed to reach, teach, and serve? Everybody. Who are we supposed to go out and proclaim this good news to? Everybody. Now, one of the things that I'm going to do, uh, and I'm going to invite you to do this with me too, is uh, we, I, I've been a part of this before, and we'll give you more information about this as this gets closer to time, but on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, they feed the homeless over at the Carver Center. They, they feed homeless and also people that don't really have a lot of money and that sort of stuff over in West Anderson. They, they feed folks, and I'm going to be doing that. I, I hope you'll join me. I hope you'll be a part of that too. Um, but who are we supposed to reach? Everybody with a unified purpose. And Jeshua, the, the son of Jehoshadak, joined his fellow priest in Zerubbabel. That's hard to say real fast five times. Zerubbabel? Yeah, anyway, so the son of Shekel with his family and rebuilding the uh, the altar of the God of Israel. i got to go through this. I told them, let's put all of chapter 3 up there, so i got to read this kind of fast. So forgive me for sounding kind of fast. But anyway, they wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it as instructed by the law of Moses, the man of God. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site, and they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord. All right, let me go ahead and get through this next part. They celebrated the festival of shelters as prescribed by the law, sacrificing a number of burnt offerings uh, specified for each day of the festival. They also offered the regular burnt offerings and the offerings required for the new moon celebration, the annual festivals as prescribed by the Lord. The people also gave voluntary offerings to the Lord. 
Fifteen days before the festival of shelters began, the priest had begun to sacrifice burnt offerings to the Lord. This was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. Everybody's like, oh, man, that's good. Kenny, can you read that to us again? <laughs> no, I can't because it would take me another 15 minutes to get all those words out. But here's what's important. Here's the takeaway from this. Okay, Here's what you need to get out of Ezra chapter 3. Here's what you need to understand. What were they doing? It says, first of all, that they were afraid of their neighbors. You remember that, that when we talked about Nehemiah, we talked about this, that, that the other governors and stuff and the areas around them, they didn't like it very much when the Israelites started building up and getting really strong because they were afraid because the Israelites were kind of known as these crazy people that when they came into your town, they would take you out. So when the Israelites got strong again, everybody else around them started getting worried, right? I mean, you can imagine the governors around us getting worried. If we start getting real strong, they're going to... Like they're gonna get intimidated by us. So that's what's happening. What did the people do? What were they doing? Building altars, making sacrifices. What does that translate into our terms, mine and your terms today in, in our world? What do we do? I want you to understand something. I want you to get this. I want you to get this, get this, get this. The first thing that we are to do is to worship. To worship. Do you remember when I told you last week when I talked about being in a dark place with this cloud hanging over and you feel like you don't want to get up and all you want to do is sleep and you don't feel like you want to do anything in the world because everything in the world has come against you and things aren't really going well for you and you just feel like everything's crushing you? What did I say you needed to do? Worship. You know what the first thing we're going to do in this place every single time? We're going to worship. You know what the last thing that we're going to do every single time in this place we're going to worship? Now, let me tell you something. Now, now everybody's like, worship, good. I like good songs. That's good, man. I, yes, I love a good song. That's not all worship is. That, that's not all worship is. You know what worship also is? It's going down to the Carver Center and feeding food to the homeless on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. That's worship, too. That's worship, too. You, you know what worship also is? It is when you stand in here and sing praises and glory to God and he is, he is magnified by our praises. And that, that is wonderful. But also when we put shoeboxes together for kids on the other side of the world that never get anything at all. And we show them the love of God through sending them a shoebox about this big full of stuff. And we just say, we have prayed for you. We love, for, we love you. God loves you. And you send that to the other side of the world. That is worship. We go out to Rainbow Omega, and, and, we, and, and we just love on people, and, and we just put, put our arms around people, and, and we, uh, we maybe do little crafts or play football with people that really don't get a lot of attention a lot of times when we do that. That is worship. That is worship. We meet in our small groups, and we put our arms around each other and tell each other that we love each other and that we struggle right alongside you. As you struggle through your life, we have our own struggles, and we pray together, and we love each other, and we just want to be a part of one body. That is worship. See, worship is so much more than a, than a good, good vocals and, and good guitar and good drums and good keyboard. It's so much more than that. Worship is every single thing you do in your life that glorifies God. Every single thing that you do in your life, it brings glory to the name of Jesus Christ. When you let your light so shine before men that they see your good deeds, and those good deeds glorify your Father which is in heaven, worship. You see, building these altars 
Building the altar is not necessarily something we would think that, well, that's a sign of worship. No, it is work, but it was also worship. It was work and to prepare for worship through the sacrifices. And here you see them building an altar before, before the temple, the foundation is even laid. Before the foundation is even laid, they're already worshiping. Man, I wish, I wish we could start that way, right? We always wait till we see something first, don't we? Well, show me the evidence first, God, and then I'll worship you. Show, show me what you're going to do for me first, and, and then I'll worship you. Let me encourage you to worship first and then see the evidence later. That's what these people did. They said, we're going to worship. We're going to make sacrifices. We're going to celebrate all these festivals that God had laid out through the law of Moses. We're going to worship God because of how good he is. It says, this was even before they had started to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. That's what it says in verse 6. Verse 7 says this, And the people hired masons and carpenters and brought cedar logs from the people of Tyre and Sidon, paying them uh, with food, wine, and olive oil. The logs were brought down from Lebanon mountains and floated along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea to Joppa, for King Cyrus had given permission for this. Do you remember that, that what, what we saw in Nehemiah is the king had given permission for them to go and get lumber and, and do the things they needed to do to reconstruct the wall? Here we see in verse 8 it says, The construction of the temple God began in mid-spring, during the second year they arrived in Jerusalem, the workforce was made up of everyone who, was, who had returned from exile, including Zerubbabel, son of Shechel, Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the fellow priests, and all the Levites. And the Levites, who were 20 years old and older, were put in charge of rebuilding the Lord's temple. The workers at the temple of God were surprised by Joshua and his sons and relatives and Kim, Cadmiel, his sons and his descendants, and uh, whew, these words are killing me, by the way. Uh, the descendants of Hodeva, I think that's right, and they were helped in this task by the Levites and the family of Hinnadad. And when the builders completed the foundation of the Lord's temple, the priests put on their, work, their robes and took their places to blow their trumpets. And the Levites, descendants of Asaph, uh, clashed their cymbals to praise the Lord as the King David had prescribed. With praise and thanks, they sang this song to the Lord. He is so good. His love, his faithful love for Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout, praising the Lord because the foundation of the Lord's temple had been laid. But many of the, oh, listen to this. This is where it kind of gets interesting. But many of the older priests, Levites, and the other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. The others, however, were shouting for joy. The joyful shouting and weeping mingled together in a noise, in a loud noise that could be heard far in the distance. Here's what happens. So, there's two things going on here. One is that the temple has been, the foundation has been laid. Now that the foundation has been laid, what are the people doing? The, the priests are like, let's get our robes on. Let's get ready. Let's, let, let's, let's, let's do this thing. Now's the time. What are they doing once the foundation's been laid? They're, they're getting ready to worship again. You see that there's a blowing of the trumpets. You remember what I told you that means? Any, any single time you see the blowing of the trumpets in the Bible, it is always an assembling of God's people, bringing God's people together. We, we talk about the blowing of the trumpet when... When the rapture happens, when Jesus returns, that, that there will be a trumpet that will sound, there will be an assembling of God's people, bringing them together. 
So here we see an assembling of God's people. But there's something else you probably noticed in here, and that is there's also weeping. It says the older ones, the Levites, the older Levites in particular, the ones that are weeping. Why are they crying? Why, why are you crying? I think it's the same reason why I cry down here. I think the same reason. It's not that I am sad. It's not that I am broken. It is that I remember God's goodness. I think that these people saw the, the temple destroyed originally. They saw the goodness of God's glory in the temple that was originally built. And here what has happened, they were all taken into exile. They were taken captive and they were, they were just like taken away from everything they knew and everything they loved. And now God has done a great work to bring them back. God has brought them back. The same thing in your life. I... I I'll keep saying the same things over and over again because this is the message of the Bible, and that is that the God is trying to bring you back. He's trying to draw you close. He's trying to bring you from that place that you, that you are into that place that you need to be in your relationship with him. For some of you, you don't have a relationship with him, and he's trying to draw you into a relationship with him, and that's why you're here. And that's why when the words that are sung up here, it, it praises to Jesus that, that like you can feel it in your heart that God is drawing you that way. And for some of you that it, that it like, I've forgotten what it was like to love God. I forgot what it was like to be close to God. I've forgotten what it was like to want to pursue God. God brings you into a place like this, and you sing these, these songs, and you hear, hear these songs, and you start serving along other people, and, and it's God's attempt to kind of draw you back to a relationship, a deeper, closer relationship with him. And then for some of you, you, you you've got a relationship with Jesus. You're serving Jesus and over and over and over again, you see God trying to take you to this next level in your walk with him. He just keeps showing you, here's how you can, you can be closer to me. Here's somebody else who needs you to serve them so that, that you can be closer to me through serving them. Here's how you can, you can love on somebody that feels unlovable so you can be closer to me through loving them. It's this constant drawing of God for you to come to the next level with him, for you to come closer and closer. As the Bible puts it, when we take one step closer to him, he takes a step closer to us. And it all starts with worship. It all starts with these guys saying, let's worship God. We don't need the evidence to begin with. We're going to start with worship and praise him for what he's going to do. Then they build it and they build the foundation and there's praising going on for what God has done. And there's also brokenness. There's brokenness because God is so in love with his people. And he is just showing them over and over and over again. I haven't forgotten about you. I haven't forgotten about you. I'm not a distant God. I'm not a long way off. I'm not unreachable, untouchable, unable to speak to. I promise you I'm right here. And he does these little things in our lives to try to reveal to us. Man, I'm right here. Some of it looks like trials and some of it looks like tragedy. But trust me, if you look deep enough, what you'll see is God calling you, drawing you to a deeper relationship with him every single time. It's always your choice of how you respond to it. But God is right there trying his best to just say, come, I want a relationship with you. I want you to take this next step. I want you to be closer. I hope, I hope if you've learned anything here at Simple Church in the short time we've been around, he said, we don't, we don't want you to come to church. We want you to come to Jesus. We want you to, to not necessarily be close to simple church, but we want you to be close to Jesus. 
And every single thing we do in here, I pray and I hope that it just, it just shows Jesus. That you don't see me standing up here. You just see Jesus and the glory of God and, and all the things that, that God is doing. Because trust me, if I try to rely on Kenny for what this book says, you will, you will sit there terribly confused and wondering, what is this guy talking about? But when God speaks to you through the power of his Holy Spirit, it is life-changing. When you look at this word for yourself and you say, what is God truly saying to me? changes everything. Families are turned upside down. People start loving each other and being close to each other and, and people are desperately seeking God together for the first time ever in their whole family. He's got to point towards Jesus. He's got to point towards the goodness of God. And it all starts with worship. It all starts with worship. Let me pray. Father, thank you so much. God, for the testimony of this church. Lord, um, just to your goodness and your glory. God, I, I pray that somebody here today, Lord, they would realize maybe for the first time, God, just how desperately you want a relationship with them and how much you want to be close to them. God, there are so many times in our lives, God, we forget, we forget how you want to be close to us. We forget how you heal us through your words. I just pray that today, God, today we might be able to just bask in your goodness. Remember how much you love us. Remember what you've done for us. God, and maybe that'll cause us to be broken. God, maybe that'll cause us to weep, and that's okay. Or God, maybe it'll cause us to sing praises to you louder than we ever have, and that's okay. God, I just pray, God, that you receive glory in this place. The simple church is just about simply proclaiming the name of Jesus, and you simply receive the glory for everything that is done. God, I know that you've changed the lives of so many families and so many people that come in here. I know that there are some, some young adults that come in this place without their family. God, I know that you're turning their lives upside down too. God, God they're closer to you. They're closer uh, to, to the friends that love God. God, they're pursuing you. They're not perfect, but they're just pursuing you and trying their best to glorify you with their life. God, I know that that's happening. I, I see them every single day. God, I just pray that we'd be broken over your goodness. We proclaim the name of Jesus. God, and that we worship. God, that we worship in this place. We remember that Jesus Christ, God, he's at the center of everything that we do. And you get glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Everyone, please stand.